Hi, welcome to I Wanna Change the World. I'm your host, Janae Gilmore. That thought, I wanna change the world, has been a guiding force behind so many decisions in my career and in my life in general. But what does it actually look like for me, or anyone really, to change the world? On this podcast, you'll hear about my ongoing journey to figure out my place in creating a better world. As you listen, I invite you to reflect on yours. Let's get ready to change the world together. Hi, thanks for tuning in to episode one of I Want to Change the World. Since this is the first episode, I want to spend a little time telling you about why I decided to do this podcast and also, yeah, sharing a little bit about my background and, yeah, who I am. At this point in my life, approaching my mid-30s and over 10 years into a career in the nonprofit sector, I'm reflecting a lot on where I am and where I want to be. My decisions about what to study, what kind of work to do, and lots of decisions that I make about how I spend money and time have been driven by the thought, I want to change the world. But am I doing that? I mean, changing the world is, in theory at least, my day job. But still, at this point in my life, I'm thinking more critically about what it really means for me to do good and make a meaningful impact. I've done what I do long enough to know that working for a nonprofit is not the only pathway or even necessarily the most impactful pathway to creating a better world. And I know I'm not the only person thinking about this. The other day, um, a couple of my colleagues and I were talking to a college student who said, She wants to work for a nonprofit or a social enterprise when she graduates. And all three of us were like, well, before you make that decision, (laughs) and of course, there's nothing wrong with working in the social change sector. And of course, work in the sector can look many ways and it can take many forms. But from my own experience, I know that working for a nonprofit or a social enterprise is not the same thing as feeling like you're making a meaningful impact in the world. In later episodes, you'll hear me talk a lot about the forces that often make it challenging for nonprofits to drive what I'll call real change, as opposed to, you know, sometimes it seems like putting Band-Aids on gunshot wounds or doing stuff that might look like change, but really doesn't do much to challenge the dynamics that lead to poverty or lead to inequality and injustice. Thankfully, I'm at a stage in my career in my life where I understand that The weight of fixing the world is not on my shoulders. I just want to better understand my part in it. And maybe by the end of doing this podcast series, I'll finally have more answers than I have questions when it comes to my place in healing our broken world and making justice and fairness and love like the new normal. I know I might sound like a total flower child right now, but I promise you I'm not. I'm just telling you what I want to see. This podcast is about me creating space to look inward and remind myself or even redefine for myself what my vision of a better world is. Okay, so I decided to do the podcast and I asked myself, where do I begin? How do I introduce myself? And my mind immediately went to Detroit. I'm from Detroit. And that is where the fire in my belly for challenging injustice started. It's where I had my first chance to Look out at the world and say, you know what, humanity, I know we can do better than this. I know you don't have to be from a place like Detroit to be sensitive to inequality 
or to see how race and class form dividing lines in our society, but I do believe it helps. And let's be clear, the Detroit that I'm talking about when I say I'm from Detroit um, is not one that was being called a great place by Time Magazine or by anyone, really. The Detroit I grew up in actually didn't seem to have a lot going for it. Like, at some point I became aware that systems just didn't work like they should. Like, the school system had a reputation. The street lights didn't work. You know, when it snowed a lot, I could look at our suburban neighbors and tell, like, their streets would get plowed and ours wouldn't. So, like, I got that the city wasn't working like it could or maybe should. At the same time, the way the city was stigmatized and trashed in the media as dangerous and corrupt and all that kind of made me even more attached to it. Like, not just that it was my home, but I became protective in a way of it. And I, it made me determined to want to make the city better. I think I felt like how the city was stigmatized was how Black people were stigmatized in general. And for some reason, I felt like I needed to prove them wrong. And maybe the them is society at large. I don't know, but there was a them and I had something to prove to them. (laughs) And that's at least in part why when I first went to college, I had this what now seems to me crazy dream (laughs) of studying policy and getting a PhD so I could figure out what all the solutions were to the city's problems and then get elected to office so I could implement the solutions. In case you're curious, no, I am no longer interested in either the PhD or politics. But that dream of making Detroit a better place didn't go away. It just took on different forms as I studied and lived and traveled. I thought of that for a long time as my life's work. It's in my spiritual, if not my physical DNA to root for the underdog. So how could I not have spent my life rooting for Detroit? Like I said, being from the city, especially from the east side, was definitely helpful in opening my eyes to the reality of inequality. The city was like a school, and I was fortunate, I guess, to have eyes to see it. And I'm gonna tell you about one of the lessons that I learned about expectations. So to start with, as I mentioned, I'm from the east side of Detroit. And for those of you who are not from the city, let me try to explain what the deal is with being from the east side. The east side is often regarded as the not as nice part of the city. Way back in the heyday of Detroit's boom, the east side, particularly the lower east side, is where immigrants and poor people and black people tended to live. So of course it wasn't considered the good part of town. And even though those days are long behind us, that label has kind of stuck and has been applied in broad strokes to an entire side of town, which, hello especially to my West Side listeners, has always had its gems. Anyway, so given the bad rap, being from the East Side comes with expectations, low ones. And that's what I picked up on even from the time I was a kid in school, because I would show up as myself And people's reaction to me would show me that I was beyond their expectation. And through that, I would be learning what those expectations were. And I don't mean this in a malicious way because I'm sure, you know, people meant no ill intent with some of the things that they would say. 
or just some of the things that I sensed from them in terms of their surprise at me. I have a friend who I met over a year ago, even though it seems like we've known each other for much longer, um, who still is over me being from the East Side. And we joke about it, but he is definitely not the only person I've met who, when I tell them I'm from the East Side, is like, wait, for real? <laughs> because, um, like I said, it comes with expectations. And I've gotten questions like, how did you make it? Or I thought you were from, you know, insert the name of a suburb. It just gives me the feeling that if I was from those places, like if I was actually from Northwest Detroit, or if I was from a suburb, then how I am is how I'm supposed to be. But because I'm from where I'm from, there's a misalignment in expectation. Also on the low expectations front, by the time I got to high school, and I actually went to one of the nicer Detroit public schools, like I tested in, it was a program of choice. But anyway, yeah, by the time I got to high school, I was convinced that society itself had low expectations for me and my peers. Otherwise, why would we all be crammed into that building? Which, you know, in hindsight, I'm looking back at how messed up this is, but I literally used to in my mind, compare it to a slave ship, like how tightly the people were packed in, how hot and crowded it felt sometimes. It was just like, yeah, this is a great exercise in a way, looking back at like, what really did lead me to be who and how I am? Some of those experiences and thoughts that I guess I didn't really think of as problematic back in the day. I'm like, whoo, 16, comparing your school to a slave ship, probably not a good thing. Anyway, and if society had higher expectations for us, you know, we would have had enough textbooks and lockers and supplies. And I had already been hearing from my mom probably my whole life. Like, in the suburbs, people don't put up with this. Yada, yada, yada. Like, well, I'm from a place where people are expected to put up with a lot. And I remember having to sit in on a class with students from the non from one of the non-school of choice programs, um, just to keep my classmates and I, I guess, from wandering the hallways while our teacher was out. <laughs> and I remember thinking, what are these students being prepared for? Is it prison? A low-wage job? I mean, this is not, this does not seem like it's preparing them for college or higher education. If I was not done enough by all that, you can imagine that I was when we had an exchange program with a suburban high school that happens to be located in a, a prosperous area called Commerce Township. So we go to this high school, Walt Lake Western, and oh my goodness, like to be in that building, like how clean it was. They had a classroom that was CSI inspired, like a science class, but that was set up like a CSI lab. I remember that they had AP European history. I mean, that school existed on the same planet as mine. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, looking back, maybe this all contributed to why I found myself giving society the side eye as a teenager and feeling like I had a chip on my shoulder. And this led me to feel like I needed to do something. Now that I'm thinking about it in this way, I'm like, did I start off wanting to change the world or basically give them, and I, I'm doing air quotes, you can't see me, their comeuppance for having had such low expectations for me and for the people around me. 
Was this re- did I start off really wanting to make the world a wonderful place for all people or was I really like this is not fair, this is not right and therefore I need to <laughs> to do something about this and maybe even show them how wrong they were to to have those low expectations. But anyway, um, those experiences are probably not the only way in which being from the city helped shape me into an aspiring world changer, but it was an important part in terms of how I got my start. I don't want to make this episode too long by going into this too deeply, but I do want to flag that growing up in a stigmatized environment and feeling stigmatized as a black person led to me internalizing some baggage that it took me years to learn that I was even carrying. And it will probably take me even more years to unpack. But I just wanted to flag that at the same time that I was looking around and saying, this is unfair, I was also yeah, picking up some thoughts about myself, my community, that, that, would, li- that would need to be unpacked. And if you keep listening to the series, you'll hear me talk about that at some point. Okay, so now you know at least part of the story of how my eyes were open to the reality of inequality and where my desire to make a difference in the world, specifically in Detroit, came from. And that initial fire in my belly has led me to people and places and experiences that I couldn't have imagined. I look forward to telling you about them in future episodes. Until then, I'd love to hear from you about the why behind your desire to create a better world. Were you trying to stick it to society (laughs) or did it come from a different place than my initial, initial desire? So feel free to drop me a line if you want to share. Until next time, bye. Hey, before you go, if you want to, one, keep up with my blog, which I do post on sporadically, two, hear about my latest workshops and events, or three, learn more about my work as a facilitator and a coach, Then I invite you to check out my website, www.gilmorefacilitationllc.com and sign up for my email list. Until next time, remember, you're part of a beautiful community of people who want to change the world.